This is Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 478 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where three seasons could take nearly five years, but it still feels like not enough. I'm Haley. I'm Jay. I'm Julie. And I'm Kier. This week, as we near the final episode of the 13th Doctor's era and Chris Chibnall's tenure, we're left with some parting thoughts. It's worth noting that this isn't a discussion of Chibnall's effectiveness as a showrunner, because we've touched on that throughout our conversation since The Woman Who Fell to Earth aired, uh, aired in October of 2018. Nor is this going to be a summary of the story arcs or the additions, or maybe at times even revisions, to Doctor Who canon. We leave that to convention panels for years to come. This is our chance to discuss aspects of the era that could have a lasting impression on us as dedicated viewers. When we look back in five or ten years, what'll come to mind? The four of us each have something to discuss, but your input is absolutely welcome too. So listen to the outro at the end of the episode for ways to be a part of the conversation. So, Haley, I want to give this to you first. You've got something kind of interesting that you wanted us all to to kind of consider with regards to 13's era. Yeah, so um, one of the things that I wanted to look at is how sci-fi-y all of her tenure was. And I, I think we got, like, wild swings down the spectrum of, you know, hardcore deep sci-fi and like just the barest tinge of an element of sci-fi to get to the story that we're going to. Um, and I think that's, hmm. that's really clearly visible in her first season when we had the historical episodes, which were some of the strongest episodes of the season. Um, we had the Rosa Parks story and demons of the Punjab and both of those, you could take out even, I think the little bits of sci-fi that we did have and still hmm. have a full story that you're telling. Um, and then we go all the way to the other end of something like Flux, which is wildly sci-fi and convoluted and lots of different, um, story elements running through together and using lots of different sci-fi elements. We have, you know, antimatter, time travel, hopping universes, parallel universes, um, all the things. And I think it's interesting that the simpler her stories were, the stronger they seem to be. Um, I think that really speaks to the strength of the cast that we had, that when you gave them a more basic story and all the other people in the story got to, or in the production even, got to do their part and we weren't bogged down in storyline. It's an interesting observation because even within that first season, you had some of the others like the, or some other stories that uh, that did uh, go with some uh, pretty wild science fiction takes well i take your uh your frog dimension right and, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and so forth i mean they're 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 interesting experiments uh, on the on the more theoretical or or existential side of science fiction but we didn't have the same taste left in our mouth and i'm trying to think if there were some examples of ones that sort of sat middling as far as their sci-fi felt more like the classic uh well classic not in terms of like pre-1996 but classic as in the almost tropey 50 50 mix of here's some science here's a fun romp 
here's you know some uh, uh, some historical pings or 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 just uh, local references that'll stick us on Earth or something like that. Give us a familiar location. Mm-hmm. That I, just I mean, I think her of, her first story, the woman who fell to Earth, kind of was in the middle ground. Of you know, oh true, yeah, you know, yeah. We get a lot of sci-fi elements. We get you know just some fun character banter. The introduction of all the characters, like that's that's one that was solidly in the middle and was a really solid story. Oh, um, um, what was a resolution? The one of the first uh, New Year's specials that we got, where we got this interesting spin on Dalek scouts and and that sort of thing. It's like, oh, are they going to do something new and original with Daleks? Well, it kind of was, and it worked. I, I think they did a good job with the Daleks in her run, like of doing different things with the Daleks than what we'd see. That's, that's true. Mm. That's very true. And I, I think the sweet spot tended to come when it was the, the science fiction was used to enhance the story instead of trying to explain it. When, when they got heavy handed with the science fiction and tried to have it make a lot of sense, that's typically when people push back and they're like, well, that doesn't add up because this, that, and the other, but if it was just a vehicle to get you to the uh, another point in the story, it's easy to let it slide and be like, oh, yeah, sure. Quantum wavy fields or something. All right, fine. Tell me what's going on now. I guess I would say I think that to Haley's point, there was a good mix in this run. And I think that it really speaks to the nature of what Doctor Who is. Whew. So one of the one of the things I've heard a few times uh, throughout uh, 13's run is a lot of people complaining about how quote unquote woke the show is now. And mm. it I'm thinking back on it. Like I'm finding a lot of instances where people uh, may have, may have had a problem with it simply because it shined a light on their own biases. We've had representation start to grow in the show, but in 13 era, it really uh, started to ramp up. I mean, we had a lot of discussion whether or not it was you know effective about like mental illnesses and things like that the fact that Brian had dyspraxia uh you know we had Diane in the flux uh era who you know was missing the the hand and and none of that you know the 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 parts that actually added to the character were addressed and when it didn't affect anything it was just a part of everyday life because those things are a part of everyday life and so it, mm-hmm. it looking back on it this show has always touched on current events. It's always had a, a finger on the pulse of, you know, geopolitical issues and things like that. And sometimes they, they cover it up with science fiction-y kind of uh, topics, but it's a very thin veil. So there's, I, I feel like with this, there wasn't a lot of, uh, of new ground cover. Like it's, it, they didn't change the formula of the show in order to highlight these things they were just pointing the lens at current events, that things that, that are going on. And a lot of people didn't like what they were seeing. And we've discussed at length, the fact that a lot of those arguments seem to be unfounded or on really, really shaky ground because of the, as, as you say, the, the, the history of the, of the program itself and sci-fi in general, one of the whole core tenets of science fiction is to be able to take the world as we know it and take it to far-fetched extremes, you know, to to give everything this sort of exponential rise and exaggeration so that we can look upon ourselves and either see with some sort of eagerness where we may be headed or with trepidation about what might become of us. So 
Doctor Who has done that historically. And if anything, it just means that right now they might be doing it with a slightly heavier hand. I don't personally have an issue with that because there's a lot of different places out there to be able to get your science fiction content. There's so many different stories and universes and properties to be able to enjoy. Doctor Who is, is growing. It's, it's evolving with the, the nature of its viewing audience. But it's also just a matter of the, the messages being put across are ones that are absolutely salient, relevant. And if anybody seems like they have some sort of an issue with the fact that they are being presented, maybe they've got an issue with the, or maybe they've got a, a contention with the issue itself. You know, oh, I don't want to hear about, you know, in Praxis, I don't want to hear about the dangers of plastic in our oceans. What's this nonsense all about? Oh, okay. Maybe you've got an issue with that actual conservation concern or ecological concern. And it's really not the fact that it's in your show. You've got some bone to pick with the with the topic itself. So, yeah, you know, well, exactly. Part of the nature of such a long running show is it's always been fairly progressive. Um it, you know, we, they didn't use the term at the time, but it's always been woke. But if you're looking at the wokest thought from 1976, like it might not seem woke by today's standards. You know, the world moves past what was uh, an extreme idea at the time. Yeah, for sure. Right. Having having a companion kind of hint at uh, at being gay in 1987 doesn't seem as revolutionary as explicitly calling out a romance between the doctor and her companion now. But some of that is a little bit tied to the availability of critiques and immediate responses that we have now. Some of that wasn't as readily available. So some of those conversations may have been having happening around the home or in social circles, but now you've got more immediate access, more uh, keyboard warrior type that echo is chambers. echo chambers. So yep. you're saying that out to, to who someone that you actually talk to and care about, or just a random stranger on the internet. And I think <laughs> everyone can start a podcast. <laughs> what? But, but yeah. So I think that that allows a little bit more of that to come to the forefront when you have those conversations in a little bit more of that either echo chamber of your own thoughts as, hey, we like that, or other people, and they're finding the complaint bucket that they can just kind of keep throwing that uh, <laughs> and getting True. the same back out of it. But I I think what we've seen is that we appreciate when it does do some of that, address the concerns, talk about it, bring it to the forefront, make it more of a acceptable conversation. I think maybe... Maybe there's something to be said that you have to be a little bolder or a little bit more explicit about some of the themes and messages that are being conveyed because of the fact that you are going to have zero hour feedback uh, on on everything that you present. And it is going to be parsed and analyzed and taken apart by a thousand different YouTubers and a hundred thousand various uh, bloggers and podcasters and such. And and so as a result, you say, you know what, I'm not I'm not going to tenderfoot around this thing. I'm, I'm not going to you know, make subtle implications like we are still in the 70s or 80s and I have to choose my words a little more carefully to be politically correct for that time. No, I'm, I'm going to put it out there because I know that no matter what is said, there's going to be a bunch of people with a bone to pick. So I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to convey my message and do it in a way that I feel best suits the, uh, um, the form of entertainment I want to present. So yeah, lean into it. 
And I, I did want to like really kind of pose the question here because I, I don't want to act like the the expert as a, a, a cis hit straight guy that you know a white guy that knows everything about representation. But how does everyone feel about some of the the topics that have been broached and the the choices that have been made both in front of and behind the camera? Yeah, I mean, I know one thing that I'm still holding judgment on is the Yaz doctor relationship and seeing how that is resolved. Um, because we don't know what the end of that is yet. Um, and if the end of the story is, you know, they, it's the trope of, you know, bring out your dead lesbians and, uh, that, that's not going to make me happy. I'm not going to be happy about that representation. So I kind of withholding judgment on that particular story. I can speak to the representation of women in the show. Obviously we've got a female doctor and that's amazing. And I do think, and I'll touch on this in a little bit as well, but I feel like there were a lot of powerful women characters that were brought in Mm -hmm. as supporting roles. And I think that was something that, not that we haven't seen that in this show before, but I feel like they did a really good job of spacing that out, bringing them in where important and letting them have their moments that shone through. We have always made a point, whether we were watching the classics, the spinoffs, the show proper in in modern iterations and such, of those instances where we were being shown a more accurate uh, cross-section of the society we live in. Whether we were looking at something that was being set in in a modern backdrop or whether it was something far-fetched. Um, the idea of, of doing that, it, it, is, it, is not a, it is not a threshold to be crossed. It is something that has to be continuously pursued. Yeah. Because we, we do not stop. Our societal um, expectations and societal uh, structure changes constantly, and we would want the the stories that come out of the individuals who live and breathe and make their living telling stories from within that structure to convey that across the screen to us we want to be able to see the the people around us in our lives in our families in our relationships in our beds uh represented on screen for in perpetuity and constantly changing to meet where those where those structures are so the idea of this is not something where we have now broken through barriers. This is steps. We're making mm-hmm. steps and we yeah. are not done. Um, so I have high expectations. I have high hopes and I have high wishes, uh, but I am not content yet. I don't want to sound bitter, yeah. but I'm, I'm not content <laughs> yet. No, I mean, I definitely, I feel like, I feel like the topic of of representation is one that is never going to be achieved until it's a point that no one is really talking about anymore. The fact that we still get excited about new representation proves that we still have a ways to go until it's a Mm -hmm. point where it's like, yes, this, this show is, you know, includes and is worked on by all peoples. And it has, has been that way so long that we don't even remember anymore. That's when we have, you know, achieved proper representation, I guess. Uh, Kind of dovetailing on that. What I think I'll cherish the most is uh, the inclusion and focus of historical touch points in the 13th era kind of plays into the, what do we want to see in that as we look back? So 
because of the casting diversity, the moments of the history that we visited, and I believe that they tied very closely to the characters that we had traveling with the Doctor. So rather than something that is a big moment in our world history, we see the emotional connection between the companions, how the Doctor carried those moments with them, and then the absolute Doctor Who feels of visiting big moments for a timey-wimey sci-fi show. (laughs) As it's focusing on the TV series, I thought a quick mention of the episodes that we visited and how each one kind of connected to our main characters and kind of jump in with thoughts on them. Mm. So first series with our 13th Doctor, Rosa, visit to Rosa Parks segregation era, Alabama. So I felt that that one really brought home strong feelings to the forefront for Ryan and Yaz when they were sitting in the kind of the backside of that building. I can still see that image in my head. And Mm -hmm. I, I felt that that one was a really important emotional moment for them. And then obviously carried throughout that episode. That set a particularly strong, almost fearless precedent for what this era was going to do or what they were going to attempt. Because it was something where, to, to just to our previous discussion about, about stepping uh, boldly into, into social issues and concerns dedicating an episode to this, I mean, yes, it, it's been done in science fiction before. We've all watched Quantum Leap and things like that. Where, but, but to have it done in a way where you're taking characters and character representations that are directly affected, impacted, and influenced by these historical eras that they visit says something about what this showrunner, this team, these writers, because there were other writers, thankfully, more involved in series uh, uh, 11 than there were in series 13. Um, but the fact that they were going to say, this is, this, these are the kind of stories that we want to tell. These are the kind of things that, you know, if we had our time machine, this is where we would want to go, um, says quite a bit. It's it's much different than maybe in the, the classic eras where you're, if you're going to do a historical romp, okay, let's go to Let's go to this little tiny, you know, village to 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 watch them run around in in chainmail and and such. That's that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. It's it's not really groundbreaking. One of the nice things about this show having advanced another sixty years from where it started is more history has become available to explore in our show about time travel, and we can bring a modern perspective to a show that would have been contemporary or a story that would have been contemporary when this show started. So it's it's a really cool evolution of the show to see that our historical episodes now are in the time period that they true. And I think to to Julie's point though is one of the one of the things that really set some of these historical episodes apart was the emotion that they were able to invest in them. And it's you're no longer watching a show about uh, about Rosa Park or uh, about you know the the separation between India and Pakistan, it, you're feeling what those people went through, and I think that more than anything is what set those episodes apart as being like it. It wasn't just it wasn't a history lesson as much as it was as much as it was an emotional experience of what these people had to have been going through. Yeah, exactly. So that. That kind of came through in the demons of the Punjab. So Yaz getting to visit her grandmother and really it, that's a familial connection that you don't necessarily, you don't get to have that unless you have a sci-fi show like this one. 
And uh, you also see some really major historical figures. So series two brings us uh, Spyfall and you get to meet Ada Lovelace, uh, Noor Inyet Khan, so a British spy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that really tied into, again, highlighting Yaz and her connection with the doctor and what they were trying to accomplish at that moment. Uh, additionally, I really liked being able to see a, a little bit of the storytelling aspect of going back to visit someone like Mary Shelley, but mm-hmm. then bringing in the creativity for Ryan and for Graham to get to see those kinds of things really, yeah. again, really touching moments for that. Uh, and then one thing that I absolutely love, and I think that I wish history really meant it this way was in flux. We get to see the Williamson tunnels. And if you go look that guy up, he really built those tunnels and nobody knows why. Nope. So those moments just kind of land home for me what a show like this can do. Uh, to Haley's point, a, a little bit of something that's was contemporary when it started, but as you look back on those moments, you can really uh, pique interest for viewers who, uh, I would never go look up that kind of stuff, but seeing that really brought us closer to Dan, his hometown. What does it mean to him? Who is he as a character? And then tying that into how he becomes so close with the doctor because of those experiences that he gets to have in the TARDIS and traveling throughout. And I feel like that brought us closer to characters like the doctor when you see her interact with Mary Seacole and how she's a prominent figure for people of that time if that's your history from where you're from, that brings the show even more into your heart when it is portrayed in a realistic way and done in such a way that it gives you that connection on that emotional level as well. It sort of pulls together what we were saying earlier about representation and and that, that applies to historical representation as well, because there are many stories that we've found through this program and others um, that have taught us, Oh, okay. So there, there was a, there was quite a quite an entertainment industry whitewashing uh, of how things were at this period in these locales within you know uh, these colonies or these settlements and things of that sort that that shows like this give us an opportunity if done well if done with some accuracy and actually bringing um, you know minority representative historians in to be able to help with the factual accuracy of these uh, to to get the to get the tale right. Um, Julie, you were saying, though, specifically, the, the Williamson Tunnels might not be something that you personally will finish watching an episode or two and say, you know what, I want to go find out some more about that. But many people might, maybe because they're, you know, uh, uh, somewhere in the in the Liverpool area, or or maybe it's just something uh, that they, that this just sounds, oh, was this guy actually was there? This, what, yeah. That's weird. This is like something from the Discovery Channel late at night. Why would they be doing this? Real dude and started that, having... That sparking that interest in in the historical elements that are uh, that are presented within a within one of these adventures goes all the way back to what Sidney Newman's original intent for the show was to be able to sort of work with bridging science interests and historical interests in for family based entertainment specifically to be able to capture the interest of young viewers as well. So it's a continuation of the core tenets this show was built on. And I think for me, what's really important is that it was throughout the series that Jody was in. And I know we see that consistently 
in general, but I really feel like, especially as I went back to look at it for this review, was how well-spaced those touch points were. So it wasn't front-loaded. It wasn't all sort of jammed in the middle. You got some in each section and not one right after the other. So you had time to digest and think about it. I know we talked about as we were watching them, but then when you go back and look on it as a review, it was a lot. And spanning different genres, science, uh, poetic, writing, uh, zany dude who just had people moving (laughs) rocks around and building tunnels. Uh, I don't know what you call that uh, for a label, but just really broad strokes and really uh, interesting choices that were made. Yeah, for sure. I think as I was preparing for this and I was thinking about, we were all having our conversations about, you know, what is going to be the 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 five year takeaway, the ten year takeaway. You know, what are we going to do when we try to when we try to buttonhole an era three doctors from now or something like that? I'm going to see this for for the idea of bringing back, uh, or maybe just really amplifying the the wide-eyed wild mad alien brilliant mind you know uh traipsing around through time and space the the idea of this uh zany adventurer who just loves to bring people along for the ride whether it goes horribly awry which it usually does or not um but but the it's and it thankfully it gets really summed up in in her Quote, I'm going back to the frog universe here because for, for all of its weirdness where everybody just kind of did the dog head take to she's talking to a frog on a chair. Uh, but the nature of the conversation in that episode is is exceptional because it really this was one of the opportunities to step forward and say this doctor, this persona, this individual playing the doctor, these individuals uh, banging about time and space with the doctor and the choice of who those people are and having the spectrum of ages and genders and representations um, on on, uh, on all sets of, of companions is the idea of that hopeful travel. You know, she gives that, that missive to people to travel hopefully. And that says quite a bit. Because it's it it goes back to everything we've just discussed on all all four of our points here that there is this hope to to what is being done. Yes, it's uh, a bit bold at times. Yes, sometimes it's a little bit aggressive. Yes, sometimes it's too much information or too much content smashed into way too little time. Flux season, um, but what? Yeah, but in doing so. It is just really trying to remind us with every stroke of the pen or every you know type of a line for dialogue to be hopeful about what's out there, what could be done, whether you're traveling forward, backward, or standing right where you are and looking at the at the world around you. So I'm I'm going to look back at this era specifically for 13's worldview. It's that idea of whether things are going exceptionally well and you know and the day has been saved or it's just a bang around romp and we're having some fun but then things go horribly awry uh but I've got my best mates by my side that is that that whimsy that I was glad to see did not let up throughout 
regardless of how good or, or, or thin or jumbled a story may be, the doctor remained constant. And that's, that's what I will continue to appreciate many, many years from now as I look. I'll piggyback on that and just to say, for me, I'm a very visual person. And so the words, they kind of flow in and out my brain, right? But I, when I look back, I, I remember what are the images that kind of hang in my brain for when I think about this grouping of the 13th Doctor. And majority of it is Jodie's very big smile, her bright eyes, and just the moments where she would run towards the camera with that hopeful look in her eye of what's next? Where are we going? What are we doing? What is this thing that I've just found or built or created or broke, but still the glint in there that you can see? So for me, I would I agree with that. And I think it's very uh, easy to pinpoint that and have that be a defining, both like you're saying, hopeful travel and the image that I get of even just the first time we saw her on the screen with the big coat and just her looking out from that when she wasn't yeah. even in her own outfit yet, just every moment. Having the main character of your show have that kind of wide eyed wonder and you know, the, the lust for learning really, it, it allows the viewer to approach things in the same way. If you're if your main character is too cool to be bothered by anything, then you feel like you can't really invest in it as well. But having the doctor just be so excited about everything allows the viewer to feel that same kind of excitement and really appreciate everything that is being brought to the table. I noticed, too, in this era, we never went with the fully we, we never had a prolonged uh, dark doctor stretch. You know, uh, we had examples of the doctor struggling um, at a loss for words at times, at a loss for solutions, both within her TARDIS and without. But we never went down the path of 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 something that we had in, in I think, all, uh, all four previous modern iterations mm-hmm. um, where you would have this long swath of time where the doctor was just um uh, in in a dangerous place i just don't think it was warranted i don't think it would have fit if they tried to push that on us so yeah, i'm glad I, they did i get the image of her turning with her fingers next to her eyes with the idea coming out like any any of her darker moments was always followed by the oh i have an idea let's let's follow that yeah. let's go yeah. that way i i think the darkest it got was the flux season when she kind of had the who am I? What am I doing? Type thing. But even that, like, she still had the wide-eyed wonder of the thirteenth Doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even when she was at a loss, it wasn't seen as a loss. It was seen as uh, something, a challenge, yeah. something to to suss out. And, and you have to have those peaks and troughs. Otherwise, what what is the investment? What is the weight of what we're watching? But I I think to your point, we never really fully sank so low. And even when she did, the weight was counterbalanced. Mm-hmm. It goes yeah. back to what we were saying about the, the Yaz relationship too, because there was, that was a definite struggle point, you know, when she was trying to decide for herself, how much she was going to allow herself to think and feel, and then how much of that she was going to express. And then there's Dan pushing buttons to try to get 
both sides to say something. Um, it's and, awkward being the third wheel here in this TARDIS. <laughs> but even then, it didn't. It didn't get to something. It didn't. I'm not going to say that it didn't last long, but it wasn't something that detracted from the fact that there was also things to be uh, things to be done. So it was. It's just like we are. We we have to run on multiple tracks at once. We've got obligations coming at us from all sides, and we have to. <clears throat> Maybe you could say, yes, we have to put on certain faces or certain airs at times, but it, it's like a bit of compartmentalization. You're processing all these things. You're dealing with all these things at once, but it doesn't consume you and drag you away from everything else that is a, that is a necessity uh, of the moment. So I'm, I'm glad to see the, the accuracy of that with, a, with a, uh, this fantastical character um, because it, it provides a touch point. The doctor's not real. Well, not really here right now. Okay, good. She's good. busy. We'll find out with what in just a couple minutes. <laughs> I love the fact that uh, when we want to look forward to a program and an airing of a thing. And we've been bred over decades to have expectations for what they're going to give us and when. This show says nah. <laughs> nah. But, so, we don't know an air date exactly yet. We all still have our own shiny quarters. Correct. It's, yep. They're right there on the desk. But at least we have a title. And could be either really heroic or really comedic um we i i guess it depends on what you what you want where you want to run with it yeah the uh the 13th doctor's final episode will be called power of the doctor the power of doctor we've got a definite article in there (laughs) so because i think well we've had the day of the doctor night of the doctor day uh name of the doctor time the name of the time, of the, time of the doctor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so soon we're gonna have the car they, keys of the doctor. They could have gone with the place. Just keep it. Yeah, we're, I think the doctor's we're gonna have to a like, brand new chapter. We're gonna have a brand new chapter for our uh, of Rassilon drinking game. Yeah, I was just about to say it's it's getting right on there. It's gonna be it's gonna be the pocket lint of the doctor and everything. But well, uh, if we do that, you have to explain why the title is relevant, though. Just yes. saying. You'd have to come up with <laughs> and a And I'm synopsis. down for this game. This yeah. is a game I want to play. Yep. But yeah. it, it does confirm, as we knew, that there is going to be a, a trifecta of adversaries in this. I st- um, the, the only promotional photo that I've really seen coming around a lot is just that one of, of the master with the, with the full Rasputin beard, um, looking like he's been isolated for quite some time. Um, but well, yeah, he was a serpent, and he got shot out into. Oh, you think a he was a serpent? serpent? I'm just You're kidding. Still holding I don't think. I don't think so. Uh, I mean, it could be, but eh, eh. I don't know. I think if the master were actually incognito the whole time and were actually pulling the levers behind the formation of unit, we would have had a lot more jiggery pokery going on. But doesn't it change your feelings about flux if that's true? Yeah, just saying. That's Anyways, true. I. But we'll also have the Daleks and the Cybermen, so that goes back to our theory as to whether or not we're going to see the the uh, the cyber uh, cyber cybermasters uh, appear again because those those costumes were just so damn 
so damn cool. And it must have taken forever to do the die cutting on those things. So you got to get your money's worth out of the costume department for that, at least. Or just let me buy one. I will forego, <laughs> I will forego buying my Bally Midway Doctor Who pinball machine if I can have one of those full suits on a rack oh in my office. Either there, one. I'll take either one. There is a way. You just got to go be an actor for a while and then get in. Probably. All, all I need is a key card. <laughs> I don't even need the job. A key card and a distraction. <laughs> Fluffanada! I don't know. <laughs> Crossing the stream. And then we'll switch to a video podcast so you can see it in Kier's background. <laughs> Let's go straight to the audio tape. Zoom. Enhance. Zoom. Enhance. There and, it is. And we wonder why those people are caught throwing money around after they rob a bank. <laughs> I don't know. Well... The other thing, uh, speaking of the master, though, uh, that we do have, uh, it comes as a result of the interview that was done for the latest uh, Doctor Who magazine. And specifically, I guess, as a result of the conversation with Sasha Dewa, uh, Paul Kirkley had, conducted the interview, uh, got all the the salient material for uh, for the magazine, and then wrote up uh, a bit of a, a preamble to the interview and was dropping particular mention without saying anything about what's going to be happening specifically within the story, just saying that since we know this is going to be a big showdown between Doctor and Master, you know, we love it when it happens and we wanted to see more of this, that it was, it kept specifically making mention of this being the the Sherlock and more balance of, uh, or, or complement of characters, right? The the idea of the, the foil that is more than just that. They are of the same mind at times and just sort of, you know, what if individuals of the same capability just had a divergence somewhere and you're just seeing them from either side of the mirror, so to speak. But the 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 concern, or I should say the thing that, that kind of pricked up my ears and a lot of, uh, a lot of folks who are sort of uh, resharing the information and, and referencing this article is the reference specifically to the Sherlock moment of the Reichenbach fall. So... Go back and read your uh, Conan Doyle, um, or go ahead and watch your your Moffat series because you, you get a whole Reichenbach fall in that one too, where Sherlock and Moriarty uh, plunge together, apparent uh, allegedly, allegedly to their death. Well, no, because the TARDIS was there and then scooped up Sherlock and then deposited. Oh, on, right. So yeah. Oh, oh, for that brief moment where Cumberbatch was the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Yep. Right. Got it, but it would it would explain a clearing of the of the playing field as far as uh, of actor representation for the characters because then okay you've got a, a death blow suffered by both the doctor and the master two force re- simultaneous regenerations and would, that's what resets the universe because it just implodes yep because it's too much all at once yeah and it's the yin and yang and it just boops back and universe says no nah, I can't do this I'm just gonna back the Back the record up about two years and set it back down. Ah, I don't know. I, I'm jazzed for this because if Sasha Dewan said that he was in tears watching the episode on his laptop after he got the final edit, I'm down for it. Anything that can make that man cry. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean that in a complimentary way. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I, I can see... I can see that happening, and then the doctor regenerating, and the the master is dead again, in finger quotes, and then we won't learn who the new master is until they cast the new. I I think we've 
always said we'd love if they did a double regeneration and didn't tell us, you know, at the end when we saw the regeneration, which was, but we already nice. know. Yeah. <gasps> we, yeah, we know who shoot. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh yeah. No, that's Dag. how we do. We get, <laughs> we get a different doctor for the 60th anniversary special. And then at the end of that is when we get shooty's 14th doctor. So you get Tenet, and you're like, which one's the doctor? <laughs> Wouldn't Tenet oh be God. a great Tenet master? as the master? Holy crap. Oh, or oh, or, or it gets even weirder, and he's got both personalities. <laughs> and or, it splits, and it's they both go back. Catherine Tate is the master? No, no, no. If they both no, show up, you no, don't you, know you, who is you which You actually one. get your legit Dr. Donna. <laughs> yeah, but it could be, but Donna could be the master. So if they both appear at the end, we have to vote right. which who is who. Ru- Russell, you you need to reach out to us. We've we've got ideas. We expect a writing credit. <laughs> we know all this. And, and one shot, si- one hey. cyber master. Yeah. I I request payment of one cyber suit. <laughs> Promise not to wear it on any other. <laughs> Film sets or anywhere legally, just my own home and backyard. Yes, and I will. <laughs> and clean maybe a cottage. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the the local mortuary. I can't breathe in this thing. The real reason why we're having a starbecue is because you want a Cyberman outfit. <laughs> oh, oh, that'd be horrible in in July. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna stand outside in a metal suit. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a, a jiffy pop container <laughs> no 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 you'll be a cure bob uh, you're the disco ball the sun just reflects and you turn oh that's it <laughs> well when we come back in a couple of weeks uh, we're going to be revisiting the Sarah Jane adventures the mark of the berserker yeah. Yep. It's uh we will talk about it after we have watched it. Well, yeah, we have to be kind of careful about this one because we don't obviously not knowing based on our upcoming episode rotation and not knowing exactly when in October they're going to give us the special, we're going to have to sort of hedge our bets and we'll well, we'll plan for for certain things. We know we're going to get through this Sarah Jane rewatch. We'll probably get through one more, at least one more classic rewatch in the in the episode to follow for that. What'll be 480. <coughs> But beyond that, it could be weird. We'll see. Well, this has been episode 478 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next week, this is Jay saying, as far as the doctor goes, I carry them with me. What they would have been and said and done, and I make them part of who I am. So even though they're gone from the show, they're not gone from me. And this is Kira saying, Frog Universe. And this is Julie saying, hey, have you all heard of this show called Doctor Who? It's really great and I like it. I think you should watch it. And this is Haley saying, I can't wait for the 100th anniversary special where they tell woke stories about COVID. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next time. I'm LZ. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR, and you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime, otherwise nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode. 
Public Radio is copyright 2022. See you next week.